So at some point in the Middle East, no action looks like weakness. Actually, you know what looks like weakness? Sitting on a couch in Fox News and being a chicken hawk. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon, on the Central Coast, where there are still Republican officials on the lam. On the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, on WPRR. New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, and Seattle's KODX, not to mention Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe across the intertubes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, uh, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and say it with me. All-around All swell, swell fellow, says you. From bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. And thank uh, Desi Doyen for already playing along so early <laughs> in the program. <laughs> it's because you're not furious with me yet. But give it time. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you very much for uh, joining us here today. We've got, I, you know, I want to say... We're breathing a little bit easier today than we were on yesterday's program. Is that a fair uh, assessment? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit easier. uh, Though I don't think we're out of the weeds, not by a long shot just yet. Uh, After President Donald Trump authorized an attack on Iran on Thursday night, and then abruptly, wisely, thankfully, changed course at least for the minute. Democrats reiterated calls for restraint and demanded congressional oversight of military action. You know, the way the Constitution that Republicans pretend to revere says this thing is supposed to happen. Democratic presidential contender Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeted out Donald Trump promised to bring our troops home. Instead, he has pulled out of a deal that was working and instigated another unnecessary conflict. She was, of course, correctly referring to President Barack Obama's landmark nuclear agreement that was struck between the Islamic Republic and the U.S., Germany, France, Britain, China, and Russia, which prevented Iran from having the ability to create nuclear weapons, and which Trump unilaterally abandoned back in 2018, leading us to the crisis that we are now in 
today. Warren said there is no justification for further escalating this crisis. We need to step back from the brink of war. Brian Schatz, senator from Hawaii, tweeted, Only Congress can authorize war. We should vote next week. Well, there's an idea. Imagine that. Voting for war. Having Congress debate and decide whether they should exercise their sole power to go to war. Sole power as delegated to them in the U.S. Constitution. Democratic leaders had spent much of the day uh, on Friday, raising similar concerns about the threat of war with Tehran after Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps shot down a U.S. Navy drone on Thursday. Iran insisted the drone had crossed into airspace near the Strait of Hormuz, but the U.S. Central Command called it an, quote, unprovoked attack, claiming that the unmanned drone with a wingspan the size of a Boeing 737 and costing more than $100 million that it was actually in international airspace, according to uh, U.S. CENTCOM. Iran has said that it can prove otherwise and has said that they plan to take their case to the United Nations. Tensions had already spiked, according to Washington Post, over attacks on two tankers in the Strait last week. The U.S. blamed Iran for those attacks, an accusation that Tehran has vociferously denied. After Trump invited Democratic leaders to the White House for a bipartisan briefing on the situation on Thursday afternoon, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer warned that the president, quote, may bumble into war. One of the best ways, he said, to avoid bumbling into war, a war that nobody wants, is to have robust, open debate and for Congress to have a real say. Schumer said, we learned that lesson in the run up to Iraq. Well, they ended up uh, bumbling into that war anyway, so I'm not sure exactly what it was they learned uh, before Iraq. Still, at least they followed a constitutional process of sorts before heading into Iraq. Not so here with Donald Trump ready to uh, unleash missiles against Iran. But you know what? Uh, he also also unleashed missiles. Missiles. I can't talk today. Missiles in Syria. And Democrats did nothing about it. He didn't have the, the, the right to attack Syria, and yet he did, and the Democrats let him. So why should he even think twice now if he feels like bombing Iran? Well, that's kind of like everything with this particular president and Republicans kind of in general, I have to say, and some Democratic presidents have done it as well, well where you take the action and, hey, Congress didn't do anything, so I can do it again. Yeah, exactly. It's not just uh, Republicans, actually. It's the fact right. that, you know, Democrats did not take action, for example, after George W. Bush and his war in Iraq and his war crimes in Iraq. And they said they wanted to look forward, not back. And so... Barack Obama was able to continue the tradition, and now Donald Trump is continuing the tradition. And as long as we never bring accountability for anything, even for a criminal scofflaw president, we're unable to use the Constitution to remove him from office. Well, this is the sort of thing we are going to get. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, uh, quote, we must do everything we can not to escalate the situation, but also to make sure that our personnel in the region are safe. After calling the drone shoot down a very big mistake, Trump himself sounded a note of caution. 
which we uh, picked out yesterday when we were talking about this story, as he was telling reporters at the White House that top Iranian officials may not have signed off on the action of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps in Iran. Uh, he said, I find it hard to believe it was intentional, he said, referring to the uh, decision-making of Iranian leaders. So it was just an accident. They Surely they didn't mean to do this, as it looked already like he was looking for an excuse to not take action, thankfully. Uh, but if he needs to believe that this was not intentional, hey, Mr. President, whatever you need to tell yourself, Chief, if that keeps us out of war in the Middle East... A war that could easily erupt into World War Three. Well, I'm just fine with whatever delusions that this delusional president needs to tell himself. He doesn't listen to the broadcast, does he? I don't think so. Oh, good. Uh, by Thursday evening, however, U.S. military forces on Trump's authorization had moved to a lo- to launch a counterstrike in retaliation for the shootdown. That was first reported last night by the New York Times. It was later confirmed by others shortly before the attack was scheduled to begin, however, and there has been conflicting reporting on this, if it was hours before or just moments before with planes already in the air, etc. Nonetheless, before the attack could happen, Trump changed his mind and aborted the operation. Some Democrats argued that the quick change of course suggested that Trump had backed himself into a corner by pulling out of the 2015 nuclear deal between Iran and six world powers, including the U.S. back in uh, May 2018. Trump has called the agreement, quote, insane and, quote, an embarrassment. Well, uh, something here is insane and (laughs) an an embarrassment, but uh, it's not that nuclear deal, which by even... The Trump administration's own assessment was working with Iran in full compliance, even up until now, a year after Trump unilaterally broke the agreement and uh, reinstituted punishing sanctions on the Iranian people. Even now, Iran is still in compliance. Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, tweeted on Thursday evening, the place we have arrived at tonight on Iran is Donald Trump's choice. He chose escalation over diplomacy without any idea how to uh, get out of the downward spiral that he set in motion. So true, so true, as Trump would say. Indeed, that's his pattern. Shots uh, tweeted Iran was complying with the nuclear deal when Trump pulled out over the objections of anyone who knows anything about the Middle East or nuclear issues, pointing the finger at both the president and his national security advisor. Schott said, this is a crisis made by Donald Trump and John Bolton. And, you know, if you look at it, if you look at all of the crisis, the various crises that we're dealing with in this country today, how many of them out and out are just caused by Donald Trump? I, I, I mean, you know, if, if you think about it on uh, on on our previous program, So we were talking about this very issue and about the fact that this is happening because Donald Trump pulled out of that treaty with Iran. And because of it, we could end up seeing who knows if this uh, continues to spiral out of control, who knows how many dead people we would see. But that is because of Donald Trump's choice to pull out of that treaty that was working at the same time on Our previous program, we also talked about the fact that the Trump administration is doing away with another 
not a treaty, but a, another plan by the Obama administration, the Clean Power Plan. And instead, they're putting in place their own plan, which will not decrease emissions at uh, coal-fired power plants the way the Obama plan would. And it would result, it will result by the uh, Trump administration's own EPA standards, it will result in thousands of dead Americans. So Donald Trump is so eager to overturn anything that Barack Obama did, no matter how much sense it makes, no matter how much safer it keeps Americans. He is uh, just hates Barack Obama so much that he's willing to overturn anything he did for no good reason at all, even if it results in thousands of dead Americans. All because of his thin, fragile little ego that can't stand that... Uh, anybody else other than him, a previous president, might have been successful at something. Trump explained his decision to call off the attack on Iran at the last minute uh, on Thursday night in, of course, a series of tweets on Friday saying that he didn't think the casualty count was proportionate to Iran's offense. He tweeted on Monday, they shot down an unmanned drone flying in international waters, we were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites. Isn't the, isn't the phrase locked and loaded? Yeah, but, okay. you know, it's Trump. He was cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked how many will die. 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. He said, I am in no hurry Sanctions are biting and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the U.S. and not against the world. But of course, that was the whole point of the anti-nuclear deal that he pulled out of. That was working and Tr is still working for the moment. For now, Trump also pivoted to uh, blame former President Barack Obama for the escalation, uh, escalating tensions between the U.S. and Iran under his own administration, suggesting that it was all related to Obama's nuclear deal in some uh, particularly twisted uh, tweeting, I should say, for the president, for even for this president today. He said President Obama made a desperate and terrible deal with Iran, gave them $150 billion plus $1.8 billion in cash. Now, I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, so I, and I'm sure he's exaggerating uh, whatever the amount of money was, but the money was that was, quote, given to Iran was their money in this deal. It was funds for stuff that they had purchased or that they had held in American banks way back in the 1970s, all of which that got frozen when uh, the is Islamic Revolution overthrew the Shah of Iran. Back in a, 1979. A, a dict our dictator, who the U.S. had been propping up there for years. After we had gotten rid of the democratically elected leader. Oh, yeah, there was that. Oh, yeah. Back in the 50s. And we're still paying for all of this. But uh, the U.S. had no choice but to give that money back to Iran because it was their money. It was not our money. 
And in fact, we were ordered to do so by uh, by courts, whether or not it was part of a nuclear deal or not. They were going to get their money back with interest that we had frozen over all of these decades. We didn't give them. We didn't pay them off. We didn't buy uh, any of this from Iran. So either Trump does not know what he's talking about or he's a liar. And as usual, both possibilities are equally likely. As to the uh, all caps cash, he said one point eight billion dollars in cash, all caps, uh, by which some of that money was paid. That was because at the time of this deal, the sanctions on Iran banks had not yet been lifted. And the only way that we could give them the money was actually in pallets of cash. This was not some secret payoff. This was not some, you know, as as Fox News has painted it and therefore Trump has bought into it. You know, again, not that not that facts and knowing things actually matter since, you know, Fox was, after all, furious at the time that U.S. had, quote, paid Iran for this deal and that we paid them in all caps cash. So our dumb president of the United States is still working off of his Fox News briefing team on all of this nonsense. He continued in his tweet rant, Iran was in big trouble and he, speaking about Obama, bailed them out, gave them a free path to nuclear weapons. And soon. Obama did just the opposite of that, since Iran at the time was on the brink of having enough highly enriched uh, uranium and, and other nuclear material to begin building bombs. Obama stopped that. He did the absolute opposite of what Donald Trump is claiming, that he gave them a free path to nuclear weapons and soon. But, you know, again, maybe those facts don't make it on to Fox and Friends. Didn't certainly at the time. So Donald Trump can't be expected to know about it. Yeah. And one other thing that should be very clear here is that the Iran nuclear deal was negotiated by our energy secretary, nuclear physicist Ernie Moniz back during the Obama administration. So he actually knew down to the finest detail, the most granular detail, what they were actually negotiating. Yeah. That's why it was working. Yeah, but, you know, he's an egghead scientist uh, professor, so uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing as much as Donald Trump does. Did you know that Donald Trump had an uncle who was a, a scientist from MIT? Obviously, that makes Donald Trump extremely intelligent, according that's, to Trump. That's what he says. <laughs> I know. Uh, his uh, tweet rant continued, instead of saying thank you, this is uh, to the deal, Iran yelled, death to America. I terminated the deal and imposed strong sanctions. They are a much weakened nation today than at the beginning of my uh, presidency when they were causing major problems throughout the Middle East. Now they are bust. Well, yeah, they're bust and they're able to down a $120 million U.S. spy drone. That's how bust they are. Other than that, they're totally bust. They're very weak. So I can only hope that Trump has been busy enough today uh, that he could not watch Fox and Friends this morning, wherein friend and uh, military and foreign policy expert Brian Kilmeade seemed to be goading Trump into lighting up World War III after Donald Trump wisely, yes, Donald Trump wisely decided to stand down, at least for last night. Here's Kilmeade. 
North Korea is watching. All our enemies are watching. Uh, of course, Assad is watching. And for seven weeks, nothing but provocations. There's a price to pay for inaction. And that says a lot. And I think that we have put suffocating sanctions on them. And every day that passes by, they get weaker. However, every day that passes by, when they blow up four tankers and we do nothing, when they blow up our drone that cost $130 million and we do nothing, we know it's not going to end there. So at some point in the Middle East, no action looks like weakness, and weakness begets more uh, uh, more attacks. Yes, let's bomb them, Brian Kilmeade. I'm just going to guess he's got no children in the in the service. Yeah, that would be my guess, too. I'm hoping he has no spawn whatsoever, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it, real easy to sit on the couch in New York City, isn't it? And uh, call for war in the Middle East and watch uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people die. They, they've done it before. It's easy for them at Fox. They've done it before. They, they you know, with Afghanistan, with Iraq. How, how did those work out, by the way, for you, Mr. Kilmeade? How have they worked out for us as the U.S. is still in those wars 20 years later? And you know what else begets more attacks? Breaking treaties, imposing sanctions, punishing sanctions, as he called them, suffocating sanctions, I think. That has led to severe food and medicine shortages for the people of Iran, for the citizens of Iran, who hold it against the U.S. They don't hold it against their own leaders. They hold it against us because we're the ones who are keeping them from having food and medicine, even though they're complying with the treaty that we broke. And then, you know what else begets more attacks? Flying into their airspace with unmanned drones. How do you think the U.S. would react if an Iranian drone the size of a 737 showed up off the coast of New York City. What do you think the U.S. would do in such a case? Kilmeade, frankly, should be thanking Iran for not causing more damage, for actually showing restraint, at least according to this Reuters report today that has not been getting much attention for some reason. But yes, what Iran did could have been, in fact, much worse. Iran has claimed that it had the chance to shoot down a U.S. plane that was carrying 35 people in its airspace, but that it ultimately decided against doing so. This is originally from Reuters today, but it was re uh, republished by the uh, Israeli paper Haaretz, which is not exactly a pro-Iranian newspaper. Iran refrained from shooting down a U.S. plane with 35 people on board that was accompanying the drone that it did down in the Gulf, according to a Revolutionary Guard commander on Friday. Amirali Hajizadeh, head of the Revolutionary Guard's Aerospace Division, was quoted as saying, uh, with the U.S. drone in the region, there was also an American P-8 plane with 35 people on board. This plane also entered our airspace, and we could have shot it down, but we did not. He also claimed that Iran had been had uh, given, quote, repeated warnings to the drone's operator before it was finally shot down. 
the Global Hawk drone, but not the military uh, uh, passenger plane, was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. And again, the U.S. says the unarmed drone was flying over international waters in the Strait of Hormuz, but Iran says it was on a spy mission over its territorial waters. Without an independent investigation at this point, we can't know really who's got it right. But I will uh, I'll, I'll be damned if we should be rushing into war again without knowing for certain the facts of this matter. And yet Trump was ready. He was good to go with an attack on Iran. Which, of course, would have led to a response, whether it was against uh, the U.S. in the uh, in the region, whether it was against Israel. Reuters also uh, learned a bit more about Trump's aborted planned attack on Iran. Earlier uh, Friday, Iranian officials told Reuters that Tehran had received a message from U.S. President Donald Trump through Oman overnight, warning that a U.S. attack on Iran was imminent. One of the officials told Reuters on condition of anonymity, quote, in his message, Trump said he was against any war with Iran and wanted to talk to to Tehran about various issues. Well, he's got a funny way of showing it, don't he? He gave a, the, the uh, official said uh, he gave a short period of time to get our response. But Iran's immediate response was that it was up to Supreme Leader Khamenei to decide about the issue. The New York Times reported on Thursday that Trump had approved these strikes against these Iranian targets in retaliation for the shootdown of the drone, but pulled back after planes were in air and ships were in position, at least according to the Times. The report claimed the order to halt attacks on Iranian radar and missile batteries came after intense debate at the White House among top security officials and congressional leaders. No missiles had been fired, and it is not clear whether Washington was still uh, moving forward with the strikes, at least in the days ahead. So we don't know. We are not out of this dangerous mess yet, I don't uh, suspect, not by a long shot, even if we can all exhale a little bit, maybe, today, for the moment. Hopefully someone at the White House has erased Trump's DVR uh, so he can't watch this morning's Fox and Friends Oy. to hear from Kilmeade. Although I will say that uh, the other two hosts, uh, Steve Ducey and Ainsley Earhart, both were cautioning, you know, talking about restraint and saying, well, it's good that the president did this. He he should wait until there's more information. So it was really surprising to see that, to be honest, that that they were surprised that I was surprised that, that they, they were, were cautioning restraint cautioning. and praising uh, Trump for restraint. Good for them. Good for them. Glad to hear it. Meanwhile, by the way, Russia accused the U.S. of deliberately stoking dangerous tensions around Iran and pushing the situation to the brink of war, according to the RIA news agency. Good. Hopefully that means Donald Trump may listen to Putin, who he respects more than he even respects Fox News, I guess. But we'll see. Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei uh, Rybakov called on Washington to weigh the possible consequences of conflict with Iran and said a report in The New York Times showed that the situation was indeed extremely dangerous. It certainly is. Uh, but no worries. We have the steady hand of stable genius Donald Trump in charge. So why worry? And why, for that matter, uh, take the constitutional mandate for removing 
an unstable criminal president from office. Why should we do that? Everything's fine. Donald Trump's in charge. We are actually relying on him to do the right thing here. We can't be messing with uh, impeachment proceedings. We've got an election to worry about next year. Am I right, uh, Nancy Pelosi? What could possibly go wrong between now and then? Why should we remove this guy? Just all eyes on that election. That's what counts. That's the only thing that matters. I'm sure everything will be fine between now and then. Unless, of course, you're one of the thousands of children uh, who are now being detained at the border in the U.S. in, uh, yes, concentration camps on the border. There's uh, plenty going wrong there already for those children. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back with that cheery story next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Uh, we haven't talked about this uh, this story this much because, well, uh, a we can't talk about everything in an hour a day, although we try. Uh, but by and large, I think uh, much of this is you know sort of bluster from Fox News wingnuts, which I do my best to actually try to avoid, to not take their bait. Uh, but the, there's been this conversation uh, happening this week in response to Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who referred to many of the overcrowded detention camps where the Trump administration is holding migrants as concentration camps. And that received a lot of blowback by just indignant Republicans, who, including uh, Dick Cheney's daughter, Liz. Yes, Dick Cheney, who tortured people for years during the Bush administration and is proud of it. His daughter, Liz, is now not only a Republican Congress member, but she's also the third highest ranking in GOP leadership now in the House. Because, as I referred to, I think, in the previous segment, Democrats, after George W. Bush, decided to look forward, not back, at the war criminals that they allowed uh, to go off the hook without any penalty, paving the way for someone like Liz Cheney, daughter of a war criminal, to be elected to Congress and then to move into a leadership position. But I digress. She she was one of the uh, folks who pushed back against AOC, along with others, of course, naturally on Fox News, suggesting that AOC was anti-Semitic or something and belittling the Holocaust by referring to U.S. immigration detention centers as concentration camps. 
Uh, Daz, I know you've been uh, thinking about that one and may have. Do you have some thoughts on that? One yeah, way or another? If, if your biggest concern is over the semantics rather than the way that children and human beings are being treated with lack of food, lack of medicine in uh, terrible conditions, then you have a problem and you need to do a major gut check. If you're more concerned about the words that are used rather than the actions that are going on and right now. not only that, but experts in the Holocaust, experts in German concentration camps have agreed with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on this one. There is a difference between a concentration camp and an extermination camp. A death in, camp. In, in a death camp in Germany. And in fact, the U.S. used to refer to facilities where we detained uh, the Japanese during World War II. We called those concentration camps, in fact. In fact, uh, one of them was in Liz Cheney's home state of Montana. But as the excellent nonprofit uh, news outlet Texas Tribune detailed in response to all of this in a, in a Twitter thread on Thursday, uh, they wrote, as a debate rages over calling mi uh, migrant detention centers concentration camps, it's worth revisiting, reporting and writing about the conditions at these facilities. Earlier this month, they note the Washington Post reported that the Trump administration was canceling English classes, recreational programs and legal aid for unaccompanied minors who are staying in federal uh, migrant shelters nationwide. That story found that the administration was uh, saying a, a huge influx of unaccompanied minors at the U.S.-Mexico border had strained the budget, so it had forced them to cut services at federal migrant shelters across the country, including legal aid for children. Now, of course, Donald Trump was able to steal money from the military to uh, try to begin some uh, building some of his wall. I guess that was more important than taking care of children. The uh, Tribune goes on to note the U.S. Border Patrol acknowledged to Texas Monthly that officers have been detaining adult migrants, uh, detaining adult migrants outdoors for extended periods of time as temperatures rise to nearly 100 degrees. That report came after an observer in El Paso stumbled upon what he called, quote, a human dog pound with human beings huddled inside of, of outdoor chain-link fenced pens where they were being held on the Texas border. With nothing but foil blankets. You know, those foil emergency blankets. That's all. ABC News reported in May about dangerous overcrowding and unsanitary conditions at a Texas facility with 900 migrants at a facility that was meant for 125 people. Say those numbers again. 900 migrants... At a facility for 125 people, uh, Homeland Security's inspector general found dangerous overcrowding and unsanitary conditions at the Customs and Border Protection facility in El Paso. The AP reported that advocates found a teen with a premature baby in a border in a Border Patrol facility, a shock that they said highlights the poor treatment that immigrants receive. The teenage girl with pigtail braids was hunched over in a wheelchair and holding a bunched sweatshirt when an immigrant advocate met her at a crowded Border Patrol facility in Texas. She opened the sweatshirt and the advocate gasped. It was a tiny baby, born premature and held in detention instead of where the advocate believes the baby should have been, at a hospital neonatal unit. 
Hope Fry, a volunteer with an immigrant advocacy group uh, who travels the, the country visiting these facilities, said, you look at this baby and there is no question that this baby should be in a tube with a heart monitor. Time reported earlier this month that some people at the encampment in El Paso were being forced to sleep on the bare ground during dust storms. The Trump administration has also faced growing complaints from uh, migrants about severe overcrowding, meager food, other hardships. On June 9, NBC News reported that 24 immigrants have died in ICE custody during the Trump administration. At least seven children are known to have died in immigration custody just since last year. And advocates and politicians have also sounded the alarm that there could be more deaths that the public does not yet know about. Meanwhile, by the way, it is not just Texas. A report in the Miami New Times reported on the horrific conditions of facilities uh, that are holding children in Florida where they report that children cried themselves to sleep, marked birthdays that passed without anyone singing to them, and tried to follow the, adv- and, uh, tried to follow the advice their parents shared over the, over the phone. Be patient and don't cause trouble. It is important to keep in mind, the Tribune notes, that there are a lot of different migrant detention centers. Conditions are bound to vary facility by facility. But the Trump administration's DOJ was in court this week defending the conditions in those facilities, actually arguing that, yes, detained kids are safe and sanitary even without soap or toothbrushes. At some of these facilities. Yes, this is the argument that they were making in court. The Trump administration argued, according to Courthouse News Service, in front of a uh, Ninth Circuit panel this week that the government is not required to give soap or toothbrushes to children who were apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border and can have them sleep on concrete floors in frigid, overcrowded cells despite a settlement agreement that requires Detainees be kept in, quote, safe and sanitary facilities. All three judges on the panel appeared incredulous during the hearing in San Francisco on Tuesday in which the Trump administration challenged previous legal findings that it is violating a landmark class action settlement by mistreating undocumented immigrant children at the U.S. detention facilities. U.S. Circuit Judge Marsha Berzon asked the Justice Department's Sarah Fabian Tuesday, you're really going to stand up and tell us that being able to sleep isn't a question of safe and sanitary conditions? U.S. Circuit Judge William Fletcher also questioned the government's interpretation of the settlement agreement. He said, are you seriously arguing that you do that you do not read the agreement as requiring you to do anything other than what I just described? Cold all night long, lights on all night long, sleeping on concrete, and you've got an, an aluminum foil blanket? Fletcher asked Fabian, I find that inconceivable that the government would say that, would say that that is safe and sanitary. The uh, settlement uh, in question came out of Flores v. Meese. This was filed way back in 1985 on behalf of a class of unaccompanied uh, minors who were fleeing torture and abuse in Central America at the time. 
The uh, settlement was finally agreed upon in 1997. It establishes guidelines for humane detention, treatment, and release of minors who are taken into federal immigration custody. The guidelines include the right to a bond hearing and requirements that immigration authorities timely release children to parents or guardians and place those who are not released into facilities that meet certain standards. The facilities are supposed to be, quote, safe and sanitary. But on Tuesday, the Department of Justice's Fabian asked the Ninth Circuit to reverse an earlier court ruling because that court had added uh, what she described as new requirements, such as the requirement to give detainees soap and toothbrushes. They were not specifically included in the Flores settlement. And so the DOJ says we don't have to give these children soup, a soup, soap and toothbrushes in order for them to be in, quote, safe and sanitary conditions. So I guess the argument being that, you know, soap and toothbrushes brushes, uh, was not specifically mentioned. So anything that wasn't specifically mentioned, they don't have to do. That's what the Trump DOJ is actually now in court arguing, in appeals court arguing. Fabian said one has to assume it was left that way, meaning without those specificities mentioned in the agreement specifically and and not enumerated by the original parties because either the parties couldn't reach an agreement on how to enumerate that or it was left to the federal agencies to determine for themselves, said Fabian. Judge Fletcher shot back saying, or it was relatively obvious and at least obvious enough so that if you're putting people into a crowded room to sleep on a concrete floor with an aluminum foil blanket on top of them, that that does not comply with the agreement. The uh, class counsel, the uh, attorney for the class, said the first thing you do is honor the plain meaning of words like safe and sanitary. Today we have a situation a situation where once a month a child is dying in federal custody, he added. Certainly the Border Patrol facilities are secure, but they're not safe and they're not sanitary. On rebuttal, Fabian of the DOJ said the administration plans to file a motion for reconsideration of the earlier requirement to include things like soap and toothbrushes. If they receive a favorable ruling from the Ninth Circuit panel, eliciting a, uh, a sharp reply from Judge Burzon, who said, have you considered whether you might go back and consider whether you really want to continue this appeal? So that story was published uh, this week. This is what the Trump administration is in court doing. Uh, as as their uh, tools over at Fox News are saying, these aren't concentration camps. This is what the Trump administration was doing. That story was published this week before a special report from the Associated Press broke last night on the ongoing conditions of some of these, yes, concentration camps, as found by uh, the attorneys who are representing the class in this uh, Flores settlement, who have the right to go in there and speak with the children. Here's what the Associated Press reports. A two-year-old boy locked in detention wants to be held all the time. A few girls, ages 10 to 15, say they've been doing their best to feed and soothe the clingy toddler 
who was handed to them by a guard days ago. Ten and fifteen-year-old girls. Lawyers warn that kids are taking care of kids and there is inadequate food, water, and sanitation for the 250 infants, children, and teens at the Border Patrol station. The bleak portrait emerged Thursday after a legal team interviewed 60 children at the facility near El Paso that has become the latest place where attorneys say young migrants are describing neglect and mistreatment at the hands of the U.S. government. The three girls told attorneys they were trying to take care of the two-year-old boy who had wet his pants, had no diaper, was wearing a mucus-smeared shirt when the legal team encountered him. A Border Patrol agent came in our room with a two-year-old boy and asked us, who wants to take care of this little boy? Another girl said she would take care of him, but she lost interest after a few hours, and so I started taking care of him yesterday, said one of the girls in an interview with the attorneys. Law professor Warren Binford, who's helping interview the children, said she couldn't learn anything about the toddler, not even where he's from or who his family is, because he's not speaking. He's two years old. Binford described the, uh, that during interviews with children in a conference room at the facility, quote, little kids are so tired they have been falling asleep on chairs and at the conference table. She said an eight-year-old taking care of a very small four-year-old with matted hair couldn't convince the little one to take a shower. An eight-year-old taking care of a four-year-old. Holly Cooper, who uh, co-directs University of California Davis's Immigration Law Clinic and represents detained youth, said, quote, in my 22 years of doing visits with children in detention, I have never heard of this level of inhumanity. Many children interviewed had arrived alone at the U.S.-Mexico border. Some had been separated from their parents or other adult caregivers, including aunts and uncles, according to the attorneys. Government uh, rules call for the children to be held by the Border Patrol for no longer than 72 hours before they are transferred to the custody of Health and Human Services, which houses migrant youth facilities in, in uh, uh, migrant youth in facilities around the country. A teenage mother with a premature baby was found last week, as I noted, in a Texas Border Patrol processing center after being held for nine days by the government. In an interview this week with the AP, Acting Customs and Border Protection Commissioner John Sanders said the Border Patrol is holding 15,000 people, but the agency considers 4,000 to be at capacity. The arrival of thousands of families and children at the border has thrust Border Patrol agents into the role of caregivers, but children at the facility in Clint, this is some 25 miles southeast of El Paso, they say they've had to pick up, children have had to pick up some of the duties in watching over the younger kids. A 14-year-old girl from Guatemala said she had been holding two little girls in her lap. She said, I need comfort too. I am bigger than they are. But I am a child, too, she said. Children told uh, lawyers that they'd uh, gone weeks without bathing or a clean change of clothes. Dr. Julie Linton, who chairs the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, Immigrant uh, Health Special Interest Group, said that the Customs and Border Patrol stations are not an appropriate place to hold children. She said those facilities are anything but child-friendly. That type of environment is not only unhealthy for children, 
but it is also unsafe. San Francisco psychoanalyst Gilbert Kleiman told the AP, uh, Gilbert, uh, who has uh, evaluated about 50 children and parents who are seeking asylum, said that the trauma is causing lasting damage. The care of children by children constitutes a betrayal of adult responsibility, governmental responsibility, he said. And now, today... Uh, just before we go on air today, uh, breaking news from several different outlets that ICE now plans to begin rounding up thousands of immigrants over the weekend in several major cities around the country. Great. Where are they going to put them? Into one of our already overcrowded, unsafe, unsanitary, yes, concentration camps? We haven't uh, there's been so much else going on that we haven't been able to cover the story of what the hell has been going on uh, at our border inside these uh, these camps. Once again, this is a situation of the Trump administration's own making. It did not have to be this way. It still does not have to be this way. And we cannot look away. As much as I'd like to. All right. Well, I think I I need maybe a song or two here to help us get out of this uh, past week somehow. So uh, one that calls for some accountability and and maybe just maybe might get Democrats off the ball to start rising to the moment, to this historical moment and to begin the removal once and for all of this horrific, incompetent, unfit, criminal monster of a president of the United States. So let's see if we can uh, if we can cheer me and you up a little bit uh, after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, we will get to that uh, song that I hope will cheer you up momentarily. Uh, Very quickly, this first Oregon State Police said that they are calling on out-of-state resources to round up Republican state senators who fled the state house on Thursday to prevent a vote on major climate change legislation. Yes, we reported on the Republican uh, legislators on the lam Yesterday, they are now uh, scattering around uh, various states outside of Oregon, reportedly. Who knows? Maybe even up in Canada. According to the Associated Press, um, as of Friday, the rogue lawmakers will now be fined $500 each day that they are not present uh, in the state Senate as punishment for stalling the vote on this uh, cap and trade measure. Luckily for them... Supporters have already dumped more than $30,000 into a GoFundMe 
to help pay for their expenses for scramming the state in order to not allow a quorum to vote on climate change legislation, which would help everyone in the state and, frankly, everyone on the planet. Under a cap-and-trade program, the uh, state would be uh, would put an over, overall limit on greenhouse gas emissions and then auction off pollution allowances for each ton of carbon that industries plan to emit. It would be the second such uh, statewide cap-and-trade uh, program in the country. I think California is the first. Well, yes, not? so California would be the first, but also there's the Regional the Greenhouse regional, Gas yeah. Initiative in the Northeast, which is also, by the way, working, going like gangbusters, helping to improve the air and bring in money that can help uh, help yep. everybody to transition to clean energy. The only people that don't want that are the fossil fuel industry the fo- and the Republicans that get their donations from the fossil fuel yeah, industry. Yeah, and the stupid, dumb uh, chumps and for example, who are running this GoFundMe page, I went over there and they were begging for money saying, this is, please, we need to support these lawmakers because if this law passes, it will hurt everyone in Oregon. It, what it will actually do is create yeah. thousands of jobs, but, you know, they don't know that, apparently. Uh, Republicans also uh, walked out of the Senate last month, by the way, as well. They do this apparently now all the time. That was to protest a $2 billion school funding package. Yes, they were walking, leaving the state to avoid increased uh, spending on education for children in Oregon. That standoff lasted four days until the governor, the Democratic governor, uh, Kate Brown, struck a deal to uh, table legislation on gun control and vaccine requirements. So she negotiated with them. Apparently, they were able to uh, vote on the school funding package as long as they didn't deal with gun safety and vaccine issues. So, see, that's what happens when you negotiate with terrorists. They find that the tactic works and they do it again just weeks later. So Republicans still on the lam in Oregon. Keep your eye out for them. Uh, we And again, we mentioned it yesterday. Not like the Democrats when they walked out in Texas to try to avoid voting on what turned out to be an unconstitutional restriction on voting. This is not, you know, to they're not fighting for anyone's rights here other than for the fossil fuel uh interests and their uh, duped supporters who think they're going to harm all of Oregon. All right. Anyway, a promised song before we get out here to uh, lighten things up because I need it as much as anyone. Uh, This comes via our old friend Victoria Parks from the uh, great our great affiliate WGRN, the Green Renaissance, 94.1 FM in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Victoria sends this uh, brand new song from Roy Zimmerman and Melanie Harby called Kofeve Grounds for Impeachment. C is for collusion, conspicuously covert coordination. O is for Obstruction of justice, overt and really obvious obfuscation. The a vast variety of venal violations. F for falsehoods, fibs, and flat-out fabrication. E the emoluments clause. 
which he's eschewing Effie, the federal election laws which he's been screwing C-O-V-F-E-F-E Have a cup of Covey And when you've learned the letters and what each meant You have grounds for impeachment Was it just a gibberish expression? Or was it a subliminal confession? C is for collusion O is for obstruction V for violations F for fabrications E the emoluments clause F E the federal election laws And if his spelling seems clumsy, well, he's spelling with tiny thumbs, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, that's Kofefe, and that's grounds for impeachment, that's plenty grounds for I-M-P-R-I-S-O-N-M-E-N-T. Congress, do your job. Yes, please. Well done. Roy Zimmerman and Melanie Harvey uh, via our friend Victoria Parks from our great affiliate WGRN in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> that was great. You can get more uh, info and more songs. You can get that song and much more from RoyZimmerman.com. Thanks, guys. I rather enjoyed that one. Did it cheer you up? Did it help? Yeah, a Did it? Bit. All right. Been a tough day. So there you go. You're welcome. And thanks to our producer, Desi Doy. And thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, find it and download it at bradblog.com for free. Share it with your friends and family. All of that is uh, thanks to those of you who uh, do listen and support the show by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate so that we can afford to stay on your public airwaves. Bradblog.com slash donate. You are the only thing between us and... Uh, Not being on your public airwaves. There you go. Well, I didn't want to put it that way because maybe they'll say, oh, yeah, there's a good idea. <laughs> Uh, okay, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am simply the Brad Blog. Find, follow, and share everything we do there or talk back to me. I'm always glad to hear from you. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>